Welcome to In the LOL with Dr. Sim Taylor. I'm Dr. Taylor, and today our study is entitled How to Overcome Evil with Good. We will look at Matthew 5, especially verses 38 through 48, and Romans 12, especially verse 21. It's so important to spend time in God's Word. When you meditate with Him, He'll teach you great truth. God has a word that just can break yokes, heal everything that you're going through. And, and every time I step up here, I'm excited because it's not me preaching, but it's God who's given the word. I ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. And as you're turning to Matthew chapter 5, also you can go to the book of Romans chapter 12. And it says in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 38, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Hmm. If anyone wants to sue you, take the shirt, let him have your coat also. Praise the name of Jesus. Whoever forces you to go on one mile, go with him too. Bless the Lord. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Ooh, anybody ready to be a lender? You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that ye may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And it says in Romans chapter 12, the 21st verse, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Amen, amen. Bless the Lord as you take your seat. I mean, in fact, I was trying my hardest to be simple with this word. I mean, this is a, this is a scripture that we've looked at for years and years. And you would think that it's just the simplest thing to understand. And so, you would think that as a title, and you can write this down as your title. I'll let you use this as your short title. We're going to talk about overcoming evil with good. Amen? Overcoming evil with good. But I want you to know the title that God gave me for this sermon was the Hegelian Dialectic Process. I know, I know, I know you're like, what in the world, the who, but who, what? The Hegelian Dialectic? I know, I see, I know. I really tried to be simple. I just thought that I was just going to preach on overcoming evil with good. And why God got to give me a title like the Hegelian Dialectic Process? You can write down overcoming evil with good. But I, I, my title is the Hegelian Dialectic Process. Now you say, okay, Taylor, you're trying to be too complex. This is a simple scripture. It's a simple word. All you got to do is just read it. But see, there are a couple of problems. Number one, as, as Matthew is reciting this scripture, Jesus is talking, he's teaching his disciples, and he just taught, he's teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. And so he's talking about all the things that are profitable for a Christian. My first question is, in verse 39, it says, don't resist the evil person, but if somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek and let them slap you on that side too. Now, what he's teaching 
thinking about what's profitable for the kingdom. How is that profitable for the kingdom of God? Letting people slap you around. I, I couldn't understand. And so it, it became more complex. And then it says in verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Okay, so they came to sue you. They took your inner garment in that day, and now they want to take your outer garment. And so now what? You running around here naked? How is that profitable for the kid? It became so complex. I mean, it was a simple scripture until I started asking these questions. And I didn't mean to. That's just the way the Spirit led me. And then it says in, in down further in verse 41, if somebody asks you to go, it says if they force you to go a mile with them, don't just go one mile, go two. Okay, I'm already tired because you forced me to go a mile. Now i got to go another mile. How is that profitable for the kingdom? I couldn't understand it. So I started having these questions. God, does he want us to lend all our money out to people? And in fact, this verse is talking about striking surety for a stranger. We already know that's against the word. So how can this be profitable? I just don't understand. It became complex. Also in verse 39, when it talks about don't resist an evil person. But in James 4, 4 and 7, it says, resist the devil and he will flee. Okay, now I've got a conflict with scripture. Because one verse is telling me don't resist. The other is telling me to resist. Is the word contradiction addicting itself? Okay, it became so complex to me. And, and, and so I just had a question. I mean, God, how is this profitable? What is your scripture saying? Am I supposed to really be doing this kind of stuff? What, what's going on here? Then I had another question. Because not only do these, these scriptures make you think about stuff, but then you think about it. If it really means what it says, how do we live it out? I want to see Pastor stand up and let somebody slap him on one cheek, and then he turn the other cheek and let him slap him again. Do y'all think y'all pastor would do that? <laughs> so I had a problem with the scripture. It was becoming complex. How do I live this out? It seems so simple just reading it, and it's so poetic. But how do you live it out? So, so God, is in my, in my morning meditation, I said, okay, God, now this is becoming too complex for me. And, of course, then he wants to give me the answer. And so as I was going through the scripture, I said, God, what does it mean? And I started looking at the 39th verse, and it said, resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. So I said, well, God, let me look up, as pastor teaches us, he says, look up the, the background and look up the Greek words for the scripture. So I said, oh, I know that will give me understanding. I'm sure that's going to give me understanding. So when I looked up the Greek words in this scripture, the first word, resist, was the word atistamea. And I'll, I can only spell it for you. It's A-N-T-H-I-S-T-A-Y-M-E-E. -E. So when I looked up the translation for it, it means to set oneself against to withstand, resist, or oppose, to set oneself against. You're setting yourself against one, a person. You're the opposite of that person. Okay, so don't resist an evil person. That means don't set yourself against an evil person. Okay, then I went back to the James 4 and 7, that contradicted scripture. I said, hey, now, God, what are, what are you saying? And then he said, look up the word turn. It says what? In, in verse 39, it says, when they slap you, then turn your other cheeks. So I looked up the word turn. The word turn means to turn oneself. And it had some other meanings, but here's the one that caught my attention. It said to turn from your course of conduct to change your mind. So it's saying in verse 39, don't set yourself against an evil person. And when they come up to you, turn away from the course that you were following and change your mind. I was still unclear. I was like, okay, I'm still not sure how to live that out. Because I think about it, I mean, how can I, how can I turn myself away from what's my human nature? I, I have a friend, and, and she's always talking about her husband, and they're having a little situation. And 
One day I could talk to her, she she not gonna divorce him. The next day I talk to her and she gonna divorce him. And, and she said to me one day, she said, I'm gonna divorce him. I already done sought a lawyer. I said, well, why? She said, well, I just can't forget the stuff he's done to me. And so she asked me a question. She said, now if somebody hits you, wouldn't you divorce him? And I said, no. God is a God of second chance. I, I wouldn't divorce him. No, I mean, my God teaches me to forgive people. You know, this, this scripture says, turn the other cheek. So I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. I would forgive him. Give him a second chance. Now, he might be getting his second chance from a hospital bed in St. Mary's, but I wouldn't divorce him right away. He'd get his second chance when he'd be in the hospital bed. You know, I'd say, honey, I'm so sorry. Hit you with the skillet piece out, you know. But I'd give him a second chance. And so that's, that's, that's the thing that, that I'm, I'm thinking about with this scripture. How do we turn from our human nature, which is when somebody hits us, we hit them back. When someone does something to us, we do the same thing back. How do you live that out? And so God explained to me how I live out this scripture. So then he brought me to an understanding of a different word. You used this word last week in Bible study. You said antithesis. The word antisteme, it sounds like antithesis. And antithesis means the opposite, almost like your opponent. And I said, well, maybe if I look up the word antithesis in the dictionary, maybe I'll get some understanding of the scripture. So I went and I looked up the word antithesis in the dictionary. And it said a direct or exact opposite. And then it gave me this strange definition. It said antithesis is the rhetorical contrast of ideas by means of parallel arrangements of words. And it is the second stage in the Hegelian dialectic process. I couldn't even finish pronouncing the word. And I said, okay, I still don't understand God. What in the world is the Hegelian dialectic process? And so I went to the internet. And so I looked up the Hegelian dialectic process on the internet, and I got excited. Because I remembered, I said, Hegel, he, oh, he was a philosopher. He, he wrote books, lots of books. And he did have a spiritual principle about his book. I said, oh, okay. But I said, okay, his books are like 100 pages. I don't have time to read 100 pages. So I got three pages off the internet. I was so excited. And then I, I looked at the page. They had charts on them. That was just ooh, wonderful. And then, of course, I got to reading the definition. And it said that the Hegelian dialectic process maintains the juxtaposition of the violent interaction of binary opposition, which will continue until a position is reached, which is so perfectly balanced to the new antithesis, they can't arise because there are no extremes left to form a thesis. The bland sounding paradise is what Hegel calls the absolute idea, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. There were more words I couldn't pronounce, more charts. I couldn't understand a word of it. And it was only three pages. I'm like, okay, God, I'm tired of this. You have got to give me an understanding. How can this idea of a Hegelian dialectic process tell me what it means? What does it mean to turn away from something? when somebody comes and attacks you? How, what does it mean to change your mind when somebody comes at you? So he finally did it. He was tired of me. <laughs> and he said, okay, guess what? I'm going to give you a simple example of what I'm talking about. Do you know what the example was he gave me? Football. And so he gave me the idea of thinking about a football game. Now, I'm going to use the Saints and the Falcons just so you know which team I'm talking about. He says, think about a football game. Think about if the Saints were going out to play the Falcons and they got on the the, the, the playground, not the playground, but they, they got on the ground and they started playing their game. Now, what game are they going to play? Well, their coach has already come up with a playbook, right? The coach has already come up with a set of plays that they are going to use to win the game. And how did they come up with the plays? 
Well, the coach looked at the enemy. He was familiar with the enemy. And so he looked at the enemy and he understood the enemy. And so he came up with a playbook in order to figure out what plays he needs to run in order to win against the enemy. And so when you get out on the field as the Saints, your goal is to win the game. But your enemy is going to come, your antithesis, and he's going to come against you. And he's going to try to stop you from winning the game. Because as your antithesis, your opposite, that is his job, to go against you, to set himself against you. And so when the enemy comes against you, the Falcons, they might start blitzing. Now, blitz is when somebody comes at you real hard. They try to take your quarterback down. They try to do all kinds of violent things. They might be saying stuff under their breath, trying to get you, get you to, to rush over the line. And they come at you real hard and real mean and real angry. Now, if you are the saint, if somebody comes at you with a blitz, you've got to go back to your playbook and say, okay, they came at me with a blitz. What's the play i got to run? The saints could say to themselves, they came at us with a blitz. They tried to hold our helmet, our face mask, and pull us down on the ground. Guess what? We're going to go against them the same way. We're going to hold them. We're going to beat them up. We're going to be as forceful with them as they are with us. If you are as forceful with your opponent as they are with you, what happens? The referee comes out, right? And the referee says, both of y'all have done the wrong thing. And so I'm going to penalize both of you. So if I was the saint, I'd say to myself, okay, we're not going to do the same thing they're doing. We're going to change our mind about how we're going to play. We're going to let the Falcons do all of that hard hitting and playing. And guess what? When the Falcons do that, the referee comes out and he says, hey, that was against the rules. What you did was not allowed. I'm going to penalize you. In fact, I might penalize you five yards. just depends on how rough you are. I might penalize you 15 or 20 yards. I might even penalize you half the distance to the goal. I didn't tell you you could do that to the same, but you did it anyway. But now you're going to lose the game because of what you did. So God says, this is how the Hegelian dialectic process works. Your, your opponent, your antithesis, have all kinds of schemes to try to get you to lose the game. They make all kinds of illegal contacts. They try to make all kinds of illegal plays. But every time they do, all you have to do is go back to your playbook and come up with a different game plan. You let them lose the game for themselves by doing all the evil, underhanded, and scheming stuff. You allow the referee, not you, but the referee determines the penalty for your opponent. Because if you try to play the game the same way they're playing, you're going to lose. But if you stick with your playbook, guess what happens? The Saints see that the Falcons come and blitz them, and they're playing all hard. So they go to the playbook and say, okay, they're blitzing us. Maybe we'll run a shotgun. Maybe we'll run a screen pass. We're going to have a, a plan for whatever they come up with. As the Saints, what do you do? You're playing your game. You see your opponent has a plan. You come up with a plan based upon your game plan and based upon how your opponent reacts. So it's a combination of what you already have in plan and what your opponent does. And Hegel said that is called a synthesis, Hegelian dialectic process. And so he said, when your opponent comes against you and you've got a plan, guess what? If you execute your plan right, they were blitzing you. But you had a plan for the blitz, and your plan worked. Why? Because you studied your opponent. You already know what you need to do. And so he says, when, you, when your opponent blitzes you, you already have a plan, and guess what? You make field goals. You make touchdowns. And then your opponent looks at you, and they say to themselves, now you know, I ran the blitz, but they had a plan against the blitz. And so they have to come and look at you differently 
than they did before. You see, when they first came out on the, on the, on the game, they had, a, they had a certain idea in their mind about what you were going to do. They said, oh, we're going to make them mad. Because guess what? They thought if we blitz them, we pull the face mask, we do all of this stuff to them, they're going to get angry. They're going to lose the game. We're going to breed hatred in them by doing angry stuff. But you didn't fall for that as the same. And since you didn't fall for it, your, your opponent has to now say, hmm, well, they didn't fall for that. And guess what? Your opponent now has to look at you differently than they did the first time. You now change your opponent. You now change your opponent because your opponent cannot do the same thing against you like they did the first time. And you change the way they look at you. And so not by being angry did you change your opponent, but you changed your opponent by doing the opposite of what they did. So God says, this is what the Hegelian dialectic process is all about. You can be an overcomer in the game, not by doing the same thing your opponent does. All you have to do is stick to the game plan I gave you. I already gave you the playbook. I already know the enemy. I know every plan he has, and guess what? I provided a way for you to win every situation. All you have to do is follow the plan. But guess what? If you try to retaliate against your opponent by being angry, by being hateful, not only do you penalize yourself and lose the game, but guess what? In the game, you've got an audience. You've got people watching. And if they're looking at two teams on the field, guess what? They may look at the team that's doing all the mean, angry stuff, but then they look at the team that's playing a good game and being smart. And what do they think? Man, that's a good team. That's the one I want to be on. And so if they put the Saints and the Falcons side by side, they're going to look and say, hmm, what team do I want to be like? So God was saying to me, not only do you change your opponent by the way that you behave, but all of those who are watching you, they get changed also because they have something now what? That word parallel. Things are side by side. They get a comparison. And they get to see the good versus the evil. And it's clear to them, if you were to act just like your opponent act, how can they tell good from evil? Now you said to yourself, I want to win the game. And how do you know I want to win the game? Well, in a team, they have to listen to their coach. Well, guess what happens if they don't listen to their coach? They lose the game. You've got to listen to your coach. He's already taken care of every situation and every end. So God says the Hegelian dialectic process. Don't worry that the enemy seems to be doing something illegal. He says, I'm the referee. I make the rules. I set the boundaries. Remember the, what the word of God says. Now, we always read this scripture, but we forget to read the scripture around it. In Isaiah 54, there's a verse that says what? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But guess what God said in his game plan? He says, if a nation comes to fight you, it will not be because I sent them to punish you. Your enemies will always be defeated. Why? Because I'm the referee and I'm on your side. He said, I've created a blacksmith who fans the coals beneath the forge to make the weapons of destruction. He said, I already made every weapon that they could come up with. I know them. I understand them. I'm the one that, that knows how they created what they created. Well, you don't know them. You don't know how to destroy them, but I know how to destroy them. I've studied them and I've already come up with a game plan. And he said, but the day is coming, but no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And everyone who tells lies against you in court will be brought to justice. He says, these benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. And their vindication will not come from their anger and their hatred, but their vindication shall come from me, because I am the one who is the judge. And then he ends that verse and he says, I, the Lord, have spoken. He says, I, the Lord, have spoken. 
Now, you're, you're thinking to yourselves, oh, that's wonderful. And, and God has already put it in practice. Remember the story of Job? Remember what God said to the devil? He said, hey, come on, devil, let's play. He said, come on, devil, let's play. He said, devil, I want you to play my team, Job. And he said, guess what, devil, as the referee, I'm setting the boundaries. He said, guess what? You can touch everything that he has, but you can't touch him. See, God has already set the boundaries. He's already put in place what the enemy can and can't do to you. You've got to know when the enemy comes against you, all they can do is touch your stuff. But that's all right because God has a storehouse. He can give you everything back that they took away. He said, devil, have you tried my team, Job? Now, you can't touch the man, Job. You can only touch the stuff. Now, if I was the devil, I would have gotten a clue. Because that means I can't win the game. Because I can't never defeat the man. I can't ever defeat the man that's leading the team. You've got to know that God is your referee. He's already set the boundary. And God has already said that if you don't respond to people the way they respond to you, you change your opponent. You change the mindset of the people that are watching you play the game. And that's how you accomplish my purpose. So that's what Jesus was saying in these scriptures. He wasn't telling you to, to, let, to sit there and just let people slap you around. He says, don't respond the way that they respond to you. And so he says, when, when you have sin, respond with love. When there's hatred, respond with love. He said, you can take away the power of hate by showing love. He said, in this football game, the saints are blitzed and blitzed by the Falcons. And the Falcons might be holding you down. You might be held down for a long time. They might even pull your face mask and cause you a little pain. But guess what? The referee is already going to send you ahead in the game. Because what? You didn't respond the way you wanted to. But you allowed the referee to make the decisions on how you were to respond. The devil might be diabolical. But if we respond to him with anger, then how can the world tell the difference between the good and the evil? How can they make a choice between what's right and what's wrong? But God says you can overcome evil with good. He says, remember, you told me you wanted to do my will. Well, my will is I'm going to tell you how to win the game. It's not dependent upon what you think. It's not dependent upon what that enemy thinks. I've already made the rules and the boundaries. It's dependent upon what I say. So we've got to know that God already has the plan and the playbook for us. We've just got to follow it. And he says, once you do this, You'll be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. And he's saying that if you look at these scriptures like James 4 and 7, and if you look at this Matthew scripture, we simply take the, the, the parts that speak about the anger and the hatred. We forget those other scriptures around it. Because those other scriptures say what? Come unto me. And that's how you're able to overcome evil with good. Because you've got to follow my plan and my mindset. That's how you win the victory. And so you're not just standing there in your own power accepting all the things that the world does to you. But when you follow my plan, I've already allowed you to win the game. Because they can't do anything to you. They can only take your stuff. And as long as the man is still standing, he says, I'm already on your side. And just like Job, everything they took away, they will turn it back to you a hundredfold. You have already won the game. Praise God, for now you know how to overcome evil with good. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you for joining me here today in the LOL with Dr. Sim Taylor, where we like to take a modern look and an old book, and that book is the Bible. I hope you enjoyed the sermon today. 
overcoming evil with good. If you'd like to contact us, you may drop us a line at P.O. Box 255, Ripley, Tennessee, 38063. You may also go to our website, inthelightoflife.com, and you can contact us there and see some of the other things that are happening with the ministry. This is one of two sermons that explain how to deal with spiritual battles. Our next lesson will be entitled, How to Overcome the Evil One. Well, don't forget to spend time with God in meditation. When you spend time with Him, learn how to live better and how to deal with people in this world. Be blessed. This is Dr. Sim Taylor.